0: time is near. That's the title of the message today, but it's much more than that. It's, uh, for one, we're in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We've been in it for over two years, or around two years, and uh, so the time is near for this series to be over. And, uh, but really that phrase uh, is really the source of two bookends, for this whole book that phrase the time is near we saw at the very beginning and we see here in the very last chapter i remind you of the first time we saw it way back 2 years ago in revelation chapter 1 verse 3 and it said blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. John began with that phrase, and today we see it again in Revelation 22, verse 10. The time is near. At the same time, that phrase is significant to us today because we look around and we see that Jesus' return is certainly nearing. If this was true for John's day, then how much more true is the fact that the time is near today? If you know someone is coming, their arrival is nearing, and this is pertinent for us because uh, chances are you either are preparing for guests or you are preparing to be a guest at the end of this week with Thanksgiving in mind and in view. And if you're like us, who are hosting some family at our home, there's a lot to do to get ready for their arrival, isn't there? And so when we uh, have folks coming into our homes if we know about it, we're going to clean up. We're going to tidy up. We're going to make sure things, you know, smell fresh. That's a big thing. If you have four kids like me, you got to make sure things smell fresh because sometimes they don't. Uh, Sometimes they don't. Them kids stink sometimes. But you want to make sure that things not just look clean, but are clean. So when guests arrive, you might do more than you normally do. You might clean your baseboards, you know, uh, you know those kind of things. You look for the, all the cobwebs and make sure that everything's manicured nicely and precisely. So if we know that our Savior is coming, is nearing, maybe there's some things that we need to be doing to prepare And today, the passage helps us to see what we can be doing to prepare for Christ's arrival. Number one, there is work to be done. There's work to be done. There's a lot of people who need the Lord. There's a lot of people who need the gospel. The Great Commission must be fulfilled for Christ to come. There's unfinished work to do. Why must the Great Commission be completed? Well, if we are going to take Scripture literally, and most we should always take Scripture literally. Obviously, we got to consider the genre of, of writing, of course. But in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, we see that gathered around the throne room of heaven gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ will be people from every tribe nation and tongue and missiologists at this moment have determined that there are some seven thousand unreached people groups unreached and unengaged is even is a little bit different so Unreached means that there's either a very small percentage or no percentage of gospel witness. Out of the 7,000, there's 3,000, uh, 3,000 plus, who've never had the gospel or a gospel witness or a pastor or a missionary or anyone visit their, their the place. That they live, uh, an unreached, unengaged people group. What does that mean the arrival of Christ will come quicker the more you and I get out and share the gospel with these people so that Revelation 7 9 can be fulfilled but let's look at today's passage for a few other things that we see that we can do to prepare for Jesus' arrival prepare our own hearts, prepare our own lives and our own minds and if you would, if you are able would you stand to honor the reading of God's Word, and we're in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 16, and would you read along with me? Then he showed me the river, the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street, and the tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. And there will be no longer any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, speaking of an angel, These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you. Your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because, my time, because the time is near." Let the filthy still be filthy, let the righteous go on, and unrighteousness, let the holy still be holy. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter the city of the gates. By the gates, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexual immoral, immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest to these things to you. For the churches, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And as we consider... The text of this passage, may we consider how we can prepare our own hearts to be ready because the time is near and because the Lord is coming. Number one, John continues laying out what he saw. We looked at this a little bit last week. The angel took him and was leading him. And in this moment, the angel is leading him down Main Street in the new city in Jerusalem. He's leading him right down the middle of it all, and when he comes to this place, he comes to this river that is flowing down Main Street, and there's this beautiful tree, this tree that somehow defies logic, right? Because it's on both sides of the river. It says it's one tree, but it's on both sides of the river. So literally, a river's running through this tree even. And John realizes and knows it to be the tree of a life. Now, if you know your Bible, and I know you do, we should pause there for a moment and think, wait a second. The tree of a life, wasn't that something that was in the Garden of Eden? And yes, it was. It was in the Garden of Eden, and it was a tree that... Adam and Eve were able to eat from until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that moment, in in all that transpired, the Lord had to banish them from the Garden of Eden so that they would not eat of the tree of life and therefore give themselves eternal condemnation. And so in the Garden of Eden, when sin is present, and when God uh, deals with sin justly, in the same moment, he has grace because he shields his people from eternal condemnation. He provides a way for them to have grace and mercy and eventually trust in him for salvation. So we should pause for a moment and say, wait a second. Here's this tree that once was forbidden because of the sinfulness of the people. Of earth. the sinfulness of humankind, they were banished from the place where this tree was once housed so that they wouldn't uh, heap eternal condemnation on themselves. So why is it there now? He gave us clarity, John does, he answers our question he answers our pause and he says he says that the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations and there will no longer be any curse no longer any curse you see the tree of life is here in the middle of the garden and this is really a garden the city Is a representation or a remaking, a recreation of the original Garden of Eden. And here, right in the middle of all the city, right here in the middle of the garden, in the middle of the city, is this tree that once was this great blessing, but also became a part of the great curse. And now all of that has been wiped away. You see, the first thing we must realize is that the time is near, this is the first point, the time is near for the curse to be over. The time is near for the curse to be over. You and I can partake in the tree of life in the new Jerusalem one day because there is, will no longer be a curse uh, looming over humankind because Jesus Christ is, The Bible tells us, Paul tells us, he became a curse for you. And Paul parenthetically says, because everyone who hangs on a tree is called cursed. Jesus, because he died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, he became a curse for us, took on the penalty of sin, and that if we place our trust and our faith in him and what he accomplished on the cross... And the curse is done. And here we see the curse completely eradicated. In this new Garden of Eden, in the middle of the new city, it is as if it was intended for Adam and Eve. It's as it was intended for Adam and Eve because of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. So how does this information help us prepare for the coming of our Savior? How does this idea that there is no more curse in the new Jerusalem, what what does that have to do with you and I today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thanks, that was very intuitive of you. Great question. Because you and I should be preparing our house, preparing our lives to live as as if there is no longer a curse you and I just like we would or we'll be doing this week cleaning out all the nooks and crannies that no one will ever see but we're so concerned that there, someone might look at my baseboards right somebody might look at that corner we need to be doing that in our lives examining the nooks and crannies and say you know what I want to live my life now like the curse is eradicated. Because it is. If you are in Christ, then there's no longer any curse on you. You and I are affected by the curse of sin. We still have sickness and ailments and the difficulties that we face in this world. And that will all be done away with in the New Jerusalem. But you and I, the curse has already been accomplished, this undoing of the curse has already been accomplished for you and I so that when we uh, trust in Jesus Christ our sins are forgiven, our lives are cleaned up, you and I are counted as righteous, white robes robed in the righteousness of Christ so we ought to be living that way and what was forgiven we should be getting rid of in our own lives. Paul tells us that he mortified these parts in himself daily is how he described it. He killed sin daily. John Owen famously said, a, 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 a theologian from of old, he famously said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Friends, we, we must take Sin very seriously because our sins are what held Jesus on the cross. And so, for us to continue living in sin, us to continue allowing sinfulness in our own hearts and our own lives means that we just don't care. And so we need to be killing sin, preparing our lives, preparing ourselves to live in this new Jerusalem, in this new heavenly state where there will be no more sin, there will be no more curse, and you and I will be completely and fully clean. But let us begin now living in this way, taking sin seriously, taking our own sin seriously. And asking God to help us to kill it daily. The second thing we see is that the time is near for the Lord to fulfill his word. John is walking around with this angel. And in verse 4 and 5, John outlines some of the other aspects of the curse being over. I want to read those for just a moment to kind of piggyback off the last post, uh, last point. They say they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of the lamp of the, or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And then, verse 6, John tells us, and, and following, John tells us that the angel said something so significant about all that was happening, all that was transpiring. And he tells us that these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. Jesus is faithful and true. God is faithful and true. We we know that. We we hear that. We. We sing songs about that. But how is that welling up in our hearts to prepare us for this day to come? How is that welling up in our hearts to prepare us for the time is near? You and I can prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts by reminding ourselves of the Lord's faithfulness to his word. That he will accomplish what he said he would. The best way to remind ourselves of this is to keep it before our hearts and minds daily. Friends, we prepare for the coming of Jesus by reading His Word, by not just reading it but letting it to saturate our lives. And Seep into our hearts on a daily basis. I, I don't want you to read God's word daily as some religious exercise. No, 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 if that's what you're doing. You miss the point. We 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 digest the word of God. We ingest the word of God because we know that we need to be prepared for who He's called us to be. We need to be the people He's called us to be for it to saturate our hearts and to to give us the nourishment spiritually that we need. We need to remind ourselves daily that our our God is faithful. When we do that, we combat all that we see. If you aren't able to be here Wednesday night, I I would encourage you to be here because sometimes the Lord... Just gives me something new and, and different than, than, than sometimes what I expect. And last Wednesday night, one of the things the Lord helped me to see in His Word was this idea. Of thankfulness being like a window, or I actually had funny glasses I put on, and it reminded us that we, we have to put on thankfulness and peer out of this, the window of thankfulness into our life so that we can see what 's happening spiritually and not just what is happening that we see with our own eyes to help us and give us eyes of uh, spiritual eyes we need thankfulness and thankfulness helps us do that and helps us to be thankful for what is but maybe what we don't always see and we need to be thankful and we need to look into that window and put on those thankfulness glasses, if you will, to remind ourselves again and again and again that what we see is not what is truly there, but there's something behind it. There's something spiritual taking place. And we remind ourselves that our God is faithful. It helps us to remember that even in the midst of the trials of life, in the midst of the difficulties and the turmoil that we face, God is better. God is bigger. We sing that song that like we did earlier, nothing is better than you. Nothing is better. I've, I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Nothing is better than Him. I'm reminded of as thou hast been thou forever will be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness sing with me morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today. Strength for today and bright hope. For tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand besides. Sing with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. He is faithful, amen? He is good. He's faithful and true. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord will fulfill his word. He will do what he has said he will do. And we can trust And the final point is the time is near, so let's live for Jesus. The time is near, so let's live for Him. John did something here. There's several parallels to John chapter one, here in this moment as the angels carrying him around. John did what we saw in chapter one where John, Saw the the glorified Christ and fell at his feet in worship and Jesus touched him and said uh, and brought him up and lifted him up and said that's not what this is about well here here this moment and and you got to imagine you know you've just seen all these things that John has seen right you would fall down too you might have fell down sooner right I, I know I would have and in this moment he falls to his feet again and begins worshiping at the angel's feet, and the angel's like, whoa, 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 buddy, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you're excited, I know you're really excited about what's going on, but that's, you're, I'm not the guy, right? I'm just like you, I'm a servant, and he says, worship God, worship God. You know, worship is more than just singing. Worship is more than just coming to a worship service once a week. You and I worship God with our lives our lives and God has called us to worship him how do we prepare for the time is near we live for Jesus today we live for him today he says verse 11 let the filthy still be filthy let the righteous go on in righteous let the holy still be holy He says, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. Repay each person according to his work. I'm the alpha and the omega and the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to see the tree of life or may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. And he tells us that we must prepare by getting ourselves where we need to be, by washing ourselves in His righteousness and by worshiping Him. In just a moment, we're going to sing. We do have an opportunity to worship through song and we encourage you to worship in other ways as you leave this place. But I tell you, can we, can we just take a moment today and practice worshiping our Savior together? Can we just take a moment together and worship our Lord. Exalt Him and lift Him high and ask Him to help us to live our lives for Him. Jason's going to come, our team is going to come, and as they're coming, we're going to prepare to just sing to our Lord, sing to our Savior. And friends, if you're here today and you don't know the the peace of knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that His cross has been applied to your life, that His death on the cross is the thing that covers your sin and covers your life, then you can come today. I'd love to share with you and pray with you and pray for you. If you uh, would like to speak with someone after this service, there's going to be folks at our next step tables. There's one here and one out in the front as well. You can speak with them. They'd love to share with you also and share with you how you can trust in the Lord today and follow Him and live your life for Him. But all of us, if we already know Christ as our Savior, let's worship Him. Let's live for Him. Let's sing to Him today. Give Him all the honor and glory that His due. Would you stand and we're going to sing. And if God is moving your life, you come. Our God is worthy. Let's see.